Man, thank you so much. Like, literally, I've been just watching your videos for the last half an hour, and I'm just getting absolutely juiced up. You okay, good, up. dude. You bring okay, the energy. Let's hey, you know I led the league in basketball and technical fouls my junior year. Did you really? That's impressive. Yeah, so, so I definitely have the energy. Just back then, it was directed in the wrong place toward the refs. Yeah, I mean, that's that's cool. I mean, you could be looking at, like, hey, if you're going to do it to the refs, that's pumping up the rest of your team. That's getting everybody going. So it's actually you could turn that into a positive. Actually, that's a good point. The only thing is, dude, we went, like, we went my, my junior year, I think we were, like, 11 and, like, I don't know, 18 or something. It was brutal. So you didn't so, play so with I think, the singlers, did you? They weren't on your team, were they? Okay, well, dude, trust me, we would not have gone eleven and nineteen. I was about to say singlers. Yeah, so when I played with Kyle for three years, and um, and that was I was in seventh, eighth grade, and sixth grade as well. Um, and Kyle was always so good, but to see how far he went, like I don't know if any, like at least I didn't see that coming at that age because yeah. he was tall but he, he wasn't super tall he was definitely the best player in the league but to see how far he went i'm just so proud of that guy he's a stud dude he's awesome man i, lo I, I love kyle i love ej i mean kyle kind of got a raw deal with okc but that's just like i mean the nba with their money systems and contracts are all kind of crazy but he's he I, I talk to him all the time and he just got over to spain and stuff and he's he's positive about it i just hope he Hope he gets back in the league, man. He's such a good is, dude. Do you, so how did he not get signed with another team? That, that surprised me. Man, me too. You would think someone would give him a training camp invite. He might, he, and he might have. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like I know a lot of pe a lot of teams had their guys locked in, and the kind of the timing when he got released yeah. was was like a. It was kind of like a. It was kind of like a like really unfortunate for him i mean you knew the team was gonna do it though just because it was like it, they they wait to the last second until they have to actually pay it to do it right but i don't know man i think you might get called back over what about ej do you think he has a shot at the league i don't think he's got a shot at the league but i think he's got a shot at euro league and his thing too like uh he's such a good like overall player and he he impacts the game in so many ways like, not just out of the stat sheet. He's not just going to blow you away with, like, 30 points, which he might, cause he, but he's he's more – he does, like, every little small thing, the intangibles, and kind of like the white guy stuff, for lack of a better term. Just, yeah, no, I, I see you. And it just gets so overlooked, and, and in Europe, too, it gets overlooked. Like, if like people will see EJ, they'll be like, okay, he's 6'5", he can shoot it, he's smart. Like, that's what Europeans are. We don't need him. But in reality no, – did they do didn't he didn't he almost make it to the blazers yeah he had a shot there and he had a shot in toronto too he was playing in the d-league so and, and and so so is so but but when you're saying he probably doesn't have a chance at it now is yeah. it just because he's getting older yeah yeah it's just because it's because he's getting older like nba if literally you could be a first round draft pick and if you don't produce in two years and you can still be 21 they'll they'll uh like move on to the next guy it's crazy how fast they go wow dude how yeah. did you get involved in this whole thing how did you Man. get involved in in developing uh nba potentials well i played in the uh in college and i played overseas and i played for three years overseas and and i was playing in greece one of my teammates was aaron baines who plays for the celtics then i had a couple other buddies who were playing in the nba and 
I just realized, like, I woke up in Spain, in northern Spain one day. I was like, man, I'm making, like, 500 bucks a month. Um, not probably going to go up any higher in leagues. I don't want to wake up and be 31 and living in Bulgaria. Probably time to yeah. get out of it. So then I just, like, started talking to my friends and working them out in the offseason. And my uncle coaches for, is the head coach for the Raptors now. He wasn't at the time, but he would he would run some camps, and I'd do some with him. And it's just kind of like – you know how the world is, the the world that you're in is is real small knit, and the basketball world is just like that, and yeah, just relationships and like guys liking the workouts and telling their friends and agents getting involved, and just kind of grew to that. And I never was like, I never was like, man, this is what I want to do, but I just love doing it. So I guess it just kind of yeah, just kind of grew like that. Dude, so you're obviously going to become an NBA coach, like that's where your tra- trajectory is leading you. Is that right? Man, maybe could it could be, and I coached in that TBT thing, and I asked Steve Kerr's agent reached out to me, want asked if he could represent me, and I was just like, man, I'm, I might want to do it, but I don't know. Like I I'm really really passionate about this public speaking, writing the book, and having more of an influence Sick. on people than just like than just straight basketball. Like I love basketball, but it's just like it doesn't it doesn't juice me up as much as this does. Yeah, but also if you if you have a career as first of all. Being a great coach, look at Wooden. I mean, the things that he says are motivational speaking, impacting people to this day. And also, like, my friend Ben Malcolmson, I'd love to connect you guys. In fact, in fact, we got to... we got to do that because hundred percent. in fact, actually right now I'm going to send you guys in a group text. <laughs> nice. I, I love, I love connecting people uh, that I feel like would go really well. Like, so basically Ben uh, is, you know, Pete Carroll, the, yeah. the Seattle Seahawks coach. Yeah. So he's his special, like special assistant and his story's insane because Ben, uh, the, long story short, hold on. Let me just throw you in a group. Yeah. yeah. Do your thing, man. Real Sweet. Quick. Appreciate it. Um, Hold on one yeah, sec. Yeah, go I'm ahead. I'm going to get in the zone. Get... Do you know Steve Kerr, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I know Steve. Not super well, but I know a lot of his, uh, I mean, I know him and some of the assistants are super good friends. Okay, perfect. I just threw, because Ben, ben, I think, is friends with him as well. Oh, okay. So, so basically, um, here, here's Ben's story in a nutshell. Is So I was speaking at this, this FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian mm-hmm. Athletes Camp in uh, Idaho years ago. And basically what happened is, is um, I uh, I just sat next to this random guy before I spoke, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm Ben," and he's like, "Hey, I'm Ben," and then we became really good friends. And I found out that Ben tried out. Long story short, for the USC Trojan Trojans football team, which that year, dude, fifty some players went to the <laughs> NFL from that team. So can you imagine having Jeez. a college roster that fifty some players from that roster went to the NFL? So oh, that yeah. was like that. That was like the Reggie Bush, Matt yeah, Ryan, yeah. My, uh, uh, Who's the guy who played for the Sanchez uh, yep. Jets yep. quarterback? That was that era. Jeez. So Ben, he tries out for the team as a fluke. He didn't play football since fifth grade. Tries out what? for the team, and he only tried out for the team because he was a journalist. 
he, he wrote for the USC uh, newspaper and he wanted to write about what it was like to try out for a college football team from firsthand experience. So he went through the tryouts as a, as a fluke to write a paper about it. But he accidentally made the team. Like he, he, he didn't <laughs> expect to. He made the team by what? accident. And then and then and then it's an insane story, dude. It's it's actually like a Neo Rudy kind of story. Yeah. And um and so anyway, Pete Carroll like just loved him so much that he brought him to Seattle with him and uh and has like a special role for Ben. So Ben just uh, wrote a book called Walk On and it became like a number one bestseller Dang. in Amazon for NFL biographies. But anyway, he's one of my best friends and I think if you two connected uh, you guys would really vibe. So, yeah. Dude, I, I appreciate that. that but. Dude, that is like the coolest story. I would love I would love to hear his story. And I know Pete is Pete's like a big-time learner and just grower. He's, he's close with – Eric Spolster is one of my good friends. And him and Pete are good friends. And the Chip Kelly here at UCLA, they're like all in the same little network of sports coaches that are just like constant yeah, dude. learners and motivators. It's really cool. Yeah. And the thing is, dude is, is, uh, is, um, Pete Carroll said in the forward to Ben's book that Ben probably shaped his life more than anyone else in the past few years. So, so Ben's just a solid guy. He lives in Seattle, obviously. Um, and yeah, I actually have a, it's weird how it's all connected because when you said UCLA, one of my good friends, uh, is playing for them right now. His name's, uh, Chase Cody, he's a wide receiver. Yeah. And uh, the the problem is they're having an awful year because they're all freshmen. Right. But I think in the next the next few years they're going to be solid. Oh but, yeah, um, for Chip Kelly's a, yeah, he's awesome. They'll be good. But but yeah, dude. So if you connect with Ben, I think that would make an amazing podcast if he shared his story or something. Dude, big time. Yep, doing it for sure. After we get off this, I'm going to hit him, and that's just another excuse I got to get up there. I got to come to Portland. Yeah. I got a bunch of friends at yeah. Nike. Got to see you. Catch like a yes. Trailblazers game when Atlanta and Jeremy's yes. in town or something. Shoot up to Seattle. Got a few people up there. Okay, when I get back from Israel and Europe, boom, November or maybe maybe wait till the spring when it's not terrible. Up there. Wait, I, I'm, I'm going to be in Israel in November the first couple of weeks. Oh, How long yeah, are you there right. for? We're just there for 10 days. Head out on Monday and I think get back on like the 17th or 18th. Wait, so we're going to be in Israel at the same time? No, 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 October, October. I'm, I'm leaving uh, oh, this October. Monday. Oh, October, that, that's You're right. Oh, so I'm getting, yeah. yeah. Have oh, you, you've been there, right? Yeah, I, okay. I taught there when I was 20. I, I helped lead a trip there. But, um, but yeah, one more question I wanted to ask you before sure. we get rolling is, uh, so it's such, it's so weird how you meet people, like how you just all get connected because, um, because, my friend Brighton was doing photography for glorified apparel one day. And, uh, and that's how I met Taylor and, and, and Macy nice. and, uh, Caleb. So how long have you two been dating? Cause she's awesome. Like oh. the, the only, the, the only time I, I hung out with her was in that group for the glorified apparel shoot. But, um, I just feel like we're all going to send it more and hang out more. I think uh, yeah. things are ahead. 100%, man. Yeah, I've been with her almost a year. She is literally amazing in, in every sense. Like, there's, like, she's just, like, like, that is how she is all the time. It's just unreal. Yeah. And you guys are going to make some cute kids, dude. Thanks, dude. Thanks. And <laughs> keep it between us. Keep it between us. I only told a few people. She doesn't know. She's getting proposed to here in a couple weeks. 
Yes, your Let's boy. Go. Keep, keep Let's your go. summer open next August. Keep it open. Hawaii oh, destination nice, wedding. Man. Oh, I got oh, this recorded. So I better sick. not just get out. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you better delete this Put right that away. on the podcast. No. Okay, make sure. Well, I'll, I'll probably. I'll, I mean, I'm, I'll find out. It'll be big news. But basically, yeah. I'm so pumped for you guys. Yeah, you'll be there, man. Yeah. Okay, we'll, I can't uh, wait. Yeah, dude. I, you already, like, seriously, you already feel like a brother. I know that might sound weird, but it's. Yeah, oh no i feel the same well and actually some of my best friends it just happened like this because basically i have i have a solid friend group here and so i live in southern oregon which is like four and a half hours south of portland but basically i'm i have like a solid friend group here but most of my closest friends are from california and from just different parts of the country because um i don't know when you're when you when you are determined to change the world it, it, that that drive, you can't teach somebody that kind of drive. Either you have mm-hmm. it or you don't. Like they once yep. asked Barry Bonds, you know, how do you hit home runs? And he said, it's very simple. Either you got it or you don't. And yep. I just feel like there's some people who have that drive in them. And uh, so when I when I when I talk to people like you, when I meet guys like Ben Malcolmson, it's just you feel like brothers right away because you have a a, a kinship of like. Of, of soul and vision and so yeah dude we're gonna we're gonna do some sick stuff together for sure man that's why i'm like super attracted to your energy and and i just like i've been looking at everything yesterday and today watching videos and like i i absolutely love it how you're all about just like non-conforming adventure and just like yes not, not caring about what others think like that's my big thing and that's why i'm thinking yes about, thinking about titling my book this but I'm, I'm not sure i don't i need some advice from you on book stuff and titling book stuff because i'm all about like with my mba guys is is what makes you you and like just you have that gift from god you have those abilities and this like cultivating and not worrying about what the world thinks about success not worrying about what somebody yep. else might think you have to do but like just what makes you you and then just be super comfortable in your skin confident in it and just like yeah like like you're talking about like the optimist fit that is yeah legendary man how did yeah. you, how did yeah, you well, think of that um actually my brother-in-law came up with the title because that defined me and my friend group is we're we're all such like we're see it's not like if here's a pessimist and here's an optimist like we're we're kind of in the optimist camp it's like if pessimism is over to your left and optimism is over to your right we're far right radical extremists like as as far as optimism goes not politically but (laughs) as far as i I just realized that was a bad analogy but, but but not politically but metaphorically so like for us we're just we're like I hate rules. We hate religion. Mo- most of yeah. us, most of us grew up at, in very religious backgrounds. Like I don't know nope. if you're aware of the brat. Do you know the brat pack from the eighties of these? Um, basically, these breakfast club actors yeah. uh, came onto the scene and they really kind of started a new movement. Well, that's kind of what I feel like is happening with the Optimist Fit group. Is like there's just a bunch of us that grew up in very religious environments. Um, and, 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 and not, not always even in a bad way. It's just like one of my friends was in a Mennonite community, which is like a shaker Quaker, yep. You're not even allowed to call children kids, dude. It's Jeez. just so many rules and, and stuff. And then like pastors, kids and a bunch of, um, 
that kind of uh, zeitgeist and background surrounds our, our history. So when we all came together, we're all so passionate about God. We want to rebel toward the God of hope, but not like to create smoking ruins of nihilism to just destroy things. We want to rebel toward something. And that's kind of, uh, that's so optimist was like the perfect title because we're extremely hopeful and we're absurdly nonconformist. So that's kind of how it happened. Dude, that's awesome. Add me, yeah. add me into that into that group. Right oh, you there. are, dude. Add are me you in. Me? You, you, you were an optimist fit before you even knew it. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> sounds like my story, and exactly sounds like my story for like everything. Like if I'm all about if 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 the world's going one way, go the opposite way. Like just like really empowering. Yeah. Like we are in the world, but not of the world, and you don't have to be exactly. anything that the world thinks you have to be. And once you realize exactly. that, once you realize that, and I know you've seen it in in yourself and teaching others is like you just become so like at ease and at peace with yourself just such a comfort comes over oh yeah yeah absolutely so as far as today's podcast goes do you want to like um do you like where how bro we're already on we're already we're already in it, man. We're already in the okay, podcast. Cool. <laughs> we just flow. Oh, it, it, it's just flowing oh, it, conversation. So, I was going to tell you. I was going to tell you yeah, after that point. But flowing conversation. Okay, cool. And then anything you want to talk about, like anything that's is like, I want to get your story out there. I want to get Optimus cool. out there. Like, don't cool. be afraid to just pump and pump and pump. And okay, sick. like if there's anything off limits and, and I ask it, and probably, I mean, it's really chill. But like, okay, so is this is this all so some of the stuff we talked about is was that some of that recorded too, or are we gonna hit the record button after this? All of that was recorded because I liked people just to be okay, natural perfect. in their conversation. But, yeah, I, so, but I'm just yes, gonna that's take great. just gonna take the optimist fit part probably when uh, you were just defining it and what we just talked about right there. I won't put perfect. on that I'm proposing unless I exactly. put that out later. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea taylor here's in a podcast like oh happy engagement like, how did you hear about that i didn't know about that oh, i was listening to the podcast uh, itunes hey, new before you yeah. dude so after this um if you have like some sort of graphic or something that i could yep. do a swipe a swipe up on my story uh, i want to get your podcast out there too so Appreciate Just it, man. let me know if you have anything like that that I could post, and that'd be sick. Yeah, I do. I got a, I got a solid team around me now. I've got like three people that work with me. And we're just Great. we're starting to crank out these podcasts, too, and like super cool Good. graphics and stuff. So I'll get you that. Okay, perfect. Beautiful. Okay, we're just keeping rolling. Because I, I, when I started doing podcasts, like the most awkward time with people would be like, Okay, let's go. All right, welcome to the game. And then like, yeah. And then it'd be like, and it'd be like people, people would start talking like in, in answers that they've just given a million times before, and it was exactly. Focused. And it's it's I I I literally did this interview in, um, in a, at a Las Vegas radio station like a week and a half ago. And how he does it is he calls you on the phone and you're just talking and you don't realize yeah. that it's a radio interview. And then so. I've seen people do that, and I think it's really nice because it just has a natural flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we would have done that. I mean, if you wouldn't have blown it and asked about it, but yeah. You know. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We were already on no. course. But with optimi- with optimist fits, and like I was talking about with the NBA players, like, like what makes you you? Like, if you were gonna say, hey. Ben Corson, what makes you you? What makes you different? What makes you a nonconformist? What is your what is your skill? What is your gift that yet you have and that you are just not afraid to just stand out with? 
Yeah, I'm a hope dealer. Love like, it. like for me, that is that is what defines me. And the reason that's such a nonconformist idea and ideal to me is because, like today, antidepressants are the number one best-selling prescribed pharmaceutical prescription medication. So, yep. an- antidepressants number one in our nation. The funny thing about that is. The ironic thing is our nation's built on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And yet we're stressed, depressed, distressed, and in debt trillions of dollars to China. So, so not <laughs> only that, but, but um, we, we, we commit suicide once every 40 seconds statistically. Yeah. So, the, yeah, there are, there are, uh, there, suicide is one of the top 10 leading causes of death. Um, we consume more pills due to anxiety and depression as Americans Listen to this, David. You're going to think this is nuts. We consume more pills due to anxiety and depression in America than the rest of the earth combined by three times over. Unbelievable. So so Gen Z and Gen Y, millennials, post-millennials, centennials, we are now the number one most depressed generation on record. So that isn't like a theory. The sociological data is confirming this. Um, and so th- I think what like really makes me me is I want to, I want to like run in the polar opposite direction of the hopelessness that is the zeitgeist of our culture today and just be a crazy hope dealer with reckless abandon and absurd optimism. I love it, man. And I love that term hope dealer too. Like I'm literally going to steal that yeah. from you. And I feel like, oh, it's, do it. I feel like it's just like, that's what America is. Cause I, I know a lot of people that they, they go to the doctor and they just, it's just really easy for the doctor to say, hey, take this pill. Hey, take this pill because you got you on a 15-minute yeah. time block and you got to pay for extra if you stay longer. So it's just really easy. And, and then a lot of people will just like anything, like nutrition or health or anything yeah. like that. We just listen to what big business or America or the world wants to tell us. And then it just seeps over into like into everything. Like you have to be this way. Success is this, is a nice house, a lot of money or failure means this and i'm completely with you man like run the opposite way and run with such passion and that's what like that's what attracts me to you and to the optimist fits and just like literally gets me disney world excited over here is just how oh i like that yeah take that one yeah you can have that one too trademark that yep you have hope dealers no no it's a clean trade trade. it's a fair trade you take hope dealers and I'll take a Disney world excited. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's all about like passion, purpose. And that's yep. what, man, that's what I'm, I'm juiced up about talking to you. How did yeah. you, so how did you just, I mean, have you always had this type of passion? Cause like literally talking to you, it seems and, and looking at everything that you've done, you should be 45 or 50 years old, but you're 28. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So Optimisfits, it, well, actually, I just turned 31, dude. So it's pretty crazy. Wait, you just Most turned 31? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you probably saw some article. So no, because on the internet, you probably saw, saw oh, some I web did, page or something. I did, I did, I did. So here's you're the my thing. age, okay? I don't feel as bad. I, was, I felt like I was oh, are you th- 31, baby. Are you 31? Yeah. Yeah, so here's the thing. Jesus said, if you want to be great, become a child. My whole goal is to be more childlike the older I get. Yep. I think if you can combine sagacity and wisdom with childlike maximum sendiness, that is the vibe. Yep. That's what our world needs. Like a smart, childlike, jubilant, hopeful joy. Yeah, I think dude. that kind of a that kind of an a, of an aura is is what changes the world. It's not just that like having fun. Uh, it's not just like we're we're gonna have fun as we change the world. 
fun is the thing that will change the world. Our, yep. our generation has lost the idea of fun. We're so depressed. Um, but yeah, I, I actually do talk about this in depth in Optimus Fits. But basically, my hope is not like a unicorn shooting rainbows out of their eyes, like, you know, <laughs> raining, raining jelly beans and Skittles. You know, it's sunny with a high of 75. You know, life. Oh, life is robustly flavored. Donuts of fun. Nothing bad happens. No, it's like for me. For me, I've gone through really, really awful yeah. things like like so many of your listeners have as well. Like we to be people like Ben, I have problems and I just say, Welcome to humanity. Yeah. Like that's that's part and parcel of the Homo sapien experience on this waterlogged mode of dust hurtling through a sunbeam at sixty six thousand miles per hour. You cannot <laughs> live on this rock without going through some seriously traumatic trials, tribulations, and tempests. Like it's in troubles. It's just gonna happen. So basically for me, when I was a kid, my sister died in a car accident. My dad's first wife died in a car accident as well. Um, I went through 10 years of chronic depression. A couple years ago, uh, I went through a heartbreak after an, after a, in, a, in a romantic relationship. After an eight-year relationship, I was just so heartbroken. I remember I, would, I felt like a robot with dead batteries afterwards. Like I, I, was, I was so heartbroken that I was shaking convulsively. And then after that moment, I went into... Uh, I went into sort of a, a shock mode where for months I didn't feel anything because I was just so like jacked up so much psychological scar tissue. I couldn't even penetrate down to my emotions. So when you go through stuff like that, I mean, even the past three years, my brother almost almost died two times Jeez, because man. he has brain tumors and you just go through stuff in life that makes you that makes you uh question whether hope is possible. And for me, for me, God showed me that he can heal the brokenhearted. In fact, there's this verse in the Psalms where it says he is near to the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. So I genuinely believe that broken hearts can heal. And this is, this is why like the optimist fits because God did it for me. God healed my heart. And I try to tell people he can heal your heart too, no matter what you've been through. Life is tough, but God is tougher. Life's a battle, but the battle is the Lord. So ultimately our breakdown will be someone else's breakthrough. So our hope I is like never that. dictated by our circumstances. Our circumstances will always be dictated by our hope. And, and, and when you live with that mindset, you just say, you know what? I'm going to relax and sit back because every setback is a setup for a comeback. If I genuinely believe that God works all things together for the good, that life is like photography we develop from the negatives. I'm going to think like a proton and be positive. Like that's what I like to tell people because you have this different mindset from the world. And I just want to say one more thing about that. Yeah. You mentioned a second ago, David, you said two things that I really latched onto. Number one, you said you don't have to live like the American dream where this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to school and have this sort of a career in order to be a success. And the problem is, is that leads to what Thoreau called the life of quiet desperation, where we die with our songs still inside us, rather than putting about all that is not life and sucking the morrow out of life. We just go through life like zombies. Like, I know I might step on some toes by saying what I'm about to say, but here's, and you can delete this if it doesn't. No, man, it doesn't I'm, all, I'm all about that right now. I'm just like, okay. I want to like replay all this because there's so much okay. goodness packed in there. Hit me. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to hit you. So here's the thing. Have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting with yeah. Matt Damon? Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite my, movies, and I just talked yeah. to somebody about yes. that yesterday. Seriously, yes, go dude. Ahead, go ahead. The, the, best move, the best movie scene maybe of all time 
is when he's in the bar talking to that Harvard kid. And he said, yep. you dropped 150 G's on a college education that I could get for a buck 50 at the local library. Now, when I tell people that I get in big trouble and here, here's, here's what I'm saying. If you're going to be a doctor, please go to college. My, one of my best friends is going to be uh, a pilot. And I like to say, I thank God you're going to school to be a pilot. Otherwise I would not go in your airplane. Yeah. But, I, but I do think, I think there are certain careers where you have to go to college. I do think at the same time, some people think, I don't know what to do with my life. So my only option is to go to college. For me, I became a pastor my senior year of high school. I gave my first sermon in third grade, became a pastor at 18, speaking at a mega church, and then wrote my first book at 20. So for me, I didn't go to college, but I learned more out of school 10 times more than I ever could have imagined myself learning in high school or college. So for me, what I'm trying to say is you don't just have to work 40 hours a week for 40 years to retire on 40% of your income, get your 401k, your timeshare in Palm Springs, 2.5 kids, <laughs> dog named Spot, white picket fence. Like if that, if the American mm. dream sounds sick to you, if you're like, that's dope, that's sick, I want to do that, then go whole, wholehearted after that. But if you're saying, man, that sounds way too conformist for me, then there's no reason you have to do this because a lot of times we're, we have labels put on us. And I know I'm kind of going off, so I'll hurry with this. No, basically, keep rolling, man. Okay. So we we live with the labels that culture yep. puts on us. Yep. So, for example, if there are certain Polynesian tribes that don't have a word for grief. So when someone dies, they say they experience fatigue. And because they don't have a word for grief, they don't have consciousness of it. All they experience is fatigue when somebody dies. Or the ancient Greeks, they didn't have a word for blue, so they couldn't see blue. Um, psychologists tell us that you can only have clear consciousness of what you have a label for, which gives us incredible educational insight into what's happening with the pharmaceutical companies today. Now, I'm not telling people that they shouldn't take pharmaceutical medication. I have one friend who is on antidepressants and it really helps her. I have other friends who've taken it and it doesn't help them. So I'm not saying whether or not you should take drugs, but I will say that uh, with pharmacy uh, prescriptions. But what I am saying is this is we're constantly told that we have ADD, ADHD, <laughs> yep. SAD, cyclothymia, hyperthymia, dysthymia, Oedipus complex, daddy issues, personality <laughs> disorders. These are all phrases coined by, by, by uh, psychological theorists like Freud. He invented and coined the word subconscious. He popularized the word subconscious. Jean-Paul Sartre, an existentialist, questioned whether the subconscious even existed. And yet pharmaceutical companies tell us we do have a subconscious and we have to medicate it through drugs. And the problem is, this is a known fact that pharmaceutical companies have a marketing department and they say, invent a disease so we can sell the masses a cure. And so it's their marketing department and pharmaceutical companies that are making up so many of these diseases. We then have these labels put on us. We live with the consciousness of these labels. And then we feel like we have to live this label of the American dream and fulfill that. And so no wonder we're walking around as the most depressed generation ever. So my heart is, is like as optimist fits, we just got to absolutely be nonconformist and rebel against the uh, American nightmare. <laughs> Dude. Okay. That was the best 10 minutes of my life right there. Number one, okay, I'm going to break these down. Okay, 
hang tight with me. Number one, I'm going to put that on a recorder that every morning when I wake up for the first 10 minutes, boom, that's what spits out to me. Everybody <laughs> listening should do the same exact thing. Okay, rolling on that. Education, 100% with you. I don't remember anything I learned from college. I don't even talk to anybody that I had at my college because the goal of my college in the Midwest was get a job at Caterpillar, work 40 years and all the 4401ks yep. and all that kind of stuff, maybe have some land and grow your own farm. Well, had to get out of that. So I don't think like going yeah. to college, the smartest college in America, uh, Harvard or I, I would say Stanford. And at Stanford, they tell you if you have an idea, get out, drop out, go with it. College, no. Yes. Only thing good about college is learning how to organize your organize your time, live a little bit yep. on your own. Maybe you can make some yep. networks or connections. Everything else, boom, bogus. Cultures yeah. love your thing. Love your thing on culture. Just got back from Japan. Their culture is always fitting in, and it's work, 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 work. They're work, work till nine p.m. Just because they're just because their their boss is still in the office. They have a word for working yourself to death. So they have that label in their in their language. So people die from working too much in that culture. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Medication, hundred percent with you. I am um super nutty and nerdy about nutrition. And like every little biohack thing you can imagine. So I know for a fact, I know for a fact, you can almost heal anything through through what you eat, what you put into your body, yes. through fasting. There's so many ways you can and you can fix it. Okay. Still rolling. I was taking some notes here as a, prof yeah. as a professional podcaster should be doing, <laughs> taking notes when they're talking. And also, like when you're making up a disease, making up a disease with medicine that they do, that's the same thing with food. Like Doritos put like certain different things that were made up to make you want to keep coming back, to make you want to eat more. Ooh, like a proven that's fact. Good. Proven that's fact good. that they did that to make people, make people not be able to resist it and have to have more and more and more. And yeah. Okay, for the for the movie, for uh, Goodwill Hunting, I was literally talking to an agent yesterday who is a big time agent. Can't say his name, but big time agent who was fed up with what he was doing. Dude is a big time agent making a ton of money with big time players, and he was literally like, "Man, I want to get out. I got to get out. I I, I don't want to do it. It's, my life's passing me by." And I was like, "Man, get out then. Follow your passion. Get out." And he's like, I just can't. I just can't. I'm just, I mean, this is what I am. This is what people think of me. This is like, this is who I am when people talk to me. I was like, man, you can't do it. You're just going to be miserable the rest of your life. So labels, huge. Same exact reason why, like, basketball is what I've been known for, but I want to be more than that, more than, have yeah. much more of an impact, not have, not have something certain define you. Anyways, boom. That's I it. That's love interesting. Your stuff. Dude, that, that was fire. And a few things about that, dude. I just feel like we could just go back and forth. I know. For I know. But a few things about that. Did you know? Okay. Two things I wanted to mention. One is labels and one is back to the Doritos medication coming back yeah, for yeah. more. Did you know that going on a 40-minute jog has the same effect on your body and your brain as antidepressants? So yep. like you said, there are things that you can do that are going to be far more health-giving than being uh, you know, then, then having to continuously siphon off your hope from Soma, which puts you in a brave new world. See a lot of me, a lot of optimists is about avoiding this idea of 1984 brainwashed into the system, like Winston Smith, like, you know, uh, George Orwell's 1984 world where it's like this, this dystopian universe where you're subsumed by systemic oppression, a bubble on the tide of empire. 
Like we were not made to be cogs in the system. We're not a, a COG cog of the system. We're a child of God or savior. Like that's my mindset is yeah. we're, we're not a carbon footprint. We're a force to be reckoned with. We're not just swirling protons. We're a pronoun. And when you go through life as more than the sum of your noble parts, you're not going to like believe that you have to be contingent on a uh, big business, bottom line, pharmaceutical companies to give you your hope. Now, again, I do have a friend who's on antidepressants. It works for her uh, in, in, from her experience. So I'm not, I'm not in a rampage against uh, antidepressants. What I am raging against is the machine. I think we need yeah, to rage against the machine for sure. and not be, not be subsumed by this idea that um, the establishment has to define us. And then the second thing is with labels. Um, the interesting thing to me about labels that's put on us is Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can, or whether you believe you can't, you're correct. Yep. He said, whether, yep. you whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. So um, sometimes, like God healed me of depression. Um, and I actually gave a message on YouTube called Seven Keys to Defeat Depression. And it could be fun to go over a couple of these really quick. But basically, um, um, one of the things that my friend Cameron tells me when my mind goes sideways on me and I'm not protecting my thought life is he'll say, Ben, you're not depressed. The Bible says you and given a sound mind. That's what second Timothy one, seven says you have a sound mind. So you need to start believing that you have a sound mind and not keep saying your mind's broken. And merely by what you believe you, you, that burgeons forth into reality. So this isn't just positive thinking or words of affirmation. This is a reality of how your neurological process works via neuroplasticity with your cranial package. You can actually through road and repetition reshape the formation of your brain to start thinking in the right direction. And this is why I'm always trying to tell people to think differently about God because, because for me, God is not religion. And, and when people think like, oh, I, I want to believe in God, but I don't want to deny science and oppress women. It's like, God invented science and he champions the cause of women. Like religion and God, religion and God are not synonymous. In fact, religion killed Jesus. Exactly. The two, the two, the two systems that killed Jesus were the Pharisees who were the religious elites and Pontius Pilate who represented the Roman empire. So it was corporate and religion that killed Jesus yep. because he was too anti-establishment. He, and this is what optimistic really covers, but he always broke rules. Like they said, you weren't allowed to heal on the Sabbath. He heals seven times in four gospels on the Sabbath. Yep. They said, you're not allowed to harvest grain on the Sabbath. He rubs grain under the noses of the Pharisees on the Sabbath. And it says they plotted how they could kill him because Jesus is the greatest rule breaking rebel of all time. And so I think we need to kind of, uh, as optimists, be cool with saying, you know what? I'm not religious. I'm not into the whole corporate schemes of being a cog. I'm going to be like an optimistic misfit that's rebelling against culture. And that's a much more enjoyable way to live. And then one more thing about that yeah. is um, when, when you, when you think differently about God, you don't think of him as religious, but you think of him as like Paul called him your daddy, Abba, your, your father, your daddy. It changes everything because they're neurologically, when you pray to an angry God, your amygdala lights up, which is the part of your brain responsible for fear, anger, and stress. Oh yeah. And uh, also high blood pressure. But if you pray to a God you believe is loving, your frontal lobe, when you talk intentionally to God, activates into its highest intellectual capacity. And you actually boost your brain power 
by praying to a God who is loving, you develop richer, thicker gray matter in your prefrontal cortex. That's the part of your brain responsible for creative thinking, focus, and concentration. Uh, also, your anterior cingulate cortex lights up and has high activity. That's the part of your brain responsible for empathy, compassion, feeling safe with God, warm and fuzzy feelings. Like literally in your brain, brain scans show us through computers what's happening on a neurological uh, level based on what you believe about God. And that's why I'm always trying to get into people's minds. Jesus was a rebel. God is loving, not religious, and not a, a corporate titan and tycoon who wants to torch you if you, don't, if you don't pay up. He's a loving God who wants you to maximum send it. And the meaning of life itself is to enjoy the joy of being enjoyed yes. by God. That's the meaning. Yes. That was a big one, David. Out of everything I've said, the biggest thing is enjoy the joy of being enjoyed by God. That's it. I absolutely love another powerhouse 10 minutes on a lunch. I'm having my breakfast, lunch, and dinner with you every day. That is so right. And people will oh, ask dude. me that too. Like People will ask me, like, how do you have so much joy every day? How do you have so much energy? And literally my answer is, Christ. Like it literally is just, yeah. just Christ. But people don't want to, I mean, people, yeah. they have a hard time, like you're saying, they have a hard time accepting that and fathoming that just because it's been yeah. burnt in their brain so much that Christ yep. is religion, even though Christ isn't religion. And like, I can talk, like I'll tell people, like I'll try to help people optimize their mind, their body, everything, these M the NBA players or whoever it might be. But literally when it comes down to it, like I could write a book, which would have one word if you want optimal joy every single day in passion for what you do and overall confidence in who you are, it's Christ. And that's, that's really yeah. the only way you can get it. Like just, just long standing and having, I mean, yeah. just having like that type of, I mean, that type of passion and understanding that, I mean, like it, you're, you're living for so much more than just what the world is trying to tell you. And you're not afraid to stand out with who you are and you're not afraid to non be a non-conformer or be an optimist fit. That's just, I mean, that's what, that's literally what everybody needs. And these, and these words of, of the brain that you're dropping on amygdala and neuroplasticity, stuff that I study with, with how NBA players and athletes work. Boom. That's coming from a guy, ladies and gentlemen, that did not go to college. Take that yeah. education. <laughs> Sit down, education. <laughs> Sit down in your eye right there. Man, yes. <laughs> no, here's the, here's the thing. Did you know that your prefrontal cortex is the most active immediately after you wake up? So if you do creative yep. work, I always try to schedule, like even this podcast, um, it worked to schedule it a little bit later because I always try to do my, my creative work like writing and yep. reading in the morning because that's when your prefrontal cortex is the most active. And that's why it just makes me so, it drives me bonkers when people think that walking with God is unintelligent. My argument is, is that God is the logos from whence all creative activity springs. He's the initial singularity from which all things came into existence. He's what Einstein called the Higgs field that, that in which we live and move and have our being, which causes our particles to slow down from light speed to accrue mass. Like, all the stuff in creation that we see, um, it testifies of a, of a maker. And to me, to believe in the God of hope, that's what the Bible calls him, the God of hope, is not to, to be unintelligent or just to say, you know, I'm going to have faith, so I'm not going to think. It's actually the other way around. The more you have faith in a loving God and the more you talk to him, even neuroscience shows us the smarter you become. So 
if, if like going to college or school is something that just excites you, then awesome. But if you're doing it because that's what you're told, like tow the party line, don't upset the apple cart, do what you're told. <laughs> David, I love how we're on the same page. Same like, page, man. No, you don't, you don't, Jesus was a rebel. He was yeah. a rebel. And I, I think for me, I love that you and I are, are, are doing this, David. We're literally just misfits, but, but of the optimistic, we're not pessimists. No optimists, you know? So it's like, we're not, most misfits are pessimists and jaded and cynical. And like, they're, they're trying to destroy things, but optimists are people who are super optimistic, but they're, but they don't fit in and they're not going to do as they're told, <laughs> you know? And it's way more fun that way. Oh, it's way. And you just hit the nail on the head with that right there. Fun. Like literally, yeah. so when I was 23 is when I when I came to Christ and started living for Christ because I saw a bunch of people around me at just this get together that would just, I mean, I thought they were literally on drugs. Like I thought they were on drugs. Yep. So I kept coming back and it's just their, their joy that they got in living <laughs> for Christ. So when people yeah. tell me like, okay, if I'm going to live for God, I'm not going to be able to have fun. I'm like, no, you're going to have way more fun. You're not going to care what others think of you. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to have any expectations that hold you back. You're not going to hardly have any worries or anxieties because you know that anything in your way is something that's a challenge that you can overcome and grow from and i like that's to use, so funny i, I yeah. like to use analogies with uh like with the players that i work with or the book that i'm currently writing like like one would be a, a challenge in your life what's your mount everest like when people climb everest they know it's the biggest challenge in their life but they know when they scale it and get to the top they have that sense of feeling of accomplishment that nobody can take away from them and they've grown yeah. from it so same thing like if there's any type like you for example you've had unbelievable challenges in your life like challenges in your life that people could just i mean it could just absolutely rip them to the core but you looked at it from a way from using it as a positive to yourself and that mindset that you can overcome anything. And that's my belief too. Like God's yeah. going to never push you through anything he doesn't think you can't handle. And it just means you're that much stronger. When you, you know, you know what's okay. Three things about that. Number Maybe. one, number one, you thought your friends were on drugs. Those Christian people were on drugs. <laughs> and, and by, by the yeah. way, the word Christian, and I write about this. In Good point. I didn't like that either. I, I, yep. I, I, I have a word. I have a word. Um, and uh, I have a chapter and this is a big spoiler alert because this is one of my favorite chapters. Uh -oh, I have uh -oh. a chapter in Optimus Fits that's literally called What I Like About Religion. That's the title. And then the, the whole chapter is two words. Not much. <laughs> because, <laughs> because for me, for me, it's like yes. even the word Christian comes with crusades and, and political yeah. affiliation and, and so much hate speech. For me, it's like the Bible only uses the word Christian three times. And they're always yep. in... Oh yeah, exactly. They're always negative content. I'm so glad you knew that because not very yeah. people know that. Yeah. It, but what what is the Bible constantly calling us? Children of God, sons of God, heirs of God. It's it's these non-religious terms. So you said that you you thought these people were on drugs. The funniest thing is, me and my friends, people constantly think I, I've literally. We always say we're high on the Holy Ghost because people think people think my friends are on drugs. Like if yeah. I didn't know them, I would think they were on drugs. And this, that's the kind of, the thing is, fun is everything. Fun yeah. is not a side thing we do. Fun is not like, oh, that's for, the, fun is not an elementary idea that you move on from. It is a fundamental idea you move deeper into. Fun is fundamental. Like the more fun you have, the more you're going to change the world. If you're following 
people say, oh, don't follow your heart. That's the Disney channel. The Old Testament says your heart is deceitfully wicked. But yeah, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament says God gives you a new heart upon which he writes his laws. So you should follow your heart. Like you should follow your fun. You should follow your excitement. You should follow your passion as a child of God. That's one thing I wanted to say. But then secondly, you mentioned Everest. Um, I love what you're talking about how Everest is like the biggest challenge. Did you know there's a volcano on Mars that is three times the size of Everest? So the next step, the next step is going to be somebody's going to go to Actually, our moon used to have an atmosphere due to volcanic activity, and there is a volcano on Mars three times wow, the size of Everest. Wow, this is awesome so news it, for me. So, so, the, so the next step is we go to Mars, and we climb that freaking mountain, and we don't stop at Everest. 1953, Edmund Hill, Hillary climbed Everest for the first time, first guy to do it, and he said, it's not the mountain we conquer but ourselves. So now the next move is, <laughs> let's go to Mars, let's climb let's that volcano. Go. Here's the thing, here's the... <laughs> Can you believe where this podcast has gone? It's like, what was that podcast about? We're going to Mars and we're climbing volcanoes. We're climbing baby. volcanoes. Everest, 1953. That's so outdated. Yeah. That's still the highest yeah, thing that's we're going to do so 50 outdated. years from now. So, Come on. Dude, you are gonna, David, you're going to love this. My favorite historical character outside like the Bible is Alexander the Great. Alexander nice. the Great, there's this myth. It's not, it's not even probably a true story, but the myth speaks to the truth of his personality. Because myths are not lies. They just speak of truth and pictorial analogies but there's this story that's told of alexander when his teacher aristotle which his teacher really was aristotle told him that there were other planets other than earth he wept because he 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 literally cried because he said i there there are so many planets out there to conquer and i have not yet conquered my own and that mindset is what made him a legend wow And, and i think that that mentality of like this, this was my Mount Everest in life, my Mount Everest in life. This is how you conquer the world. Paul said we are more than conquerors in Greek. It's literally, you are over super over overcomers, super over overcomers. Super. Um, and, and that's the mindset. So like for me, my Everest was this thing called the 10,000 hour rule. It's yep. um, oh, yeah. in a book called, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's all, like, it's confirmed everywhere. The guy who really popularized it was Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. And he wrote about it in chapter two. And he talked about how like Bill Gates, Bill Joy, the Beatles, hockey players, pianists, whoever you're talking, master criminals, science fiction writers, anyone who became world-class practice for 10,000 hours. So he wrote about the Beatles, for example. The Beatles were awful when they went to play at a club in Hamburg, Germany, um, when they were a new band. They were awesome when they left because they were playing seven days a week, eight hours a night at an all night club in Hamburg, Germany. They had played more live shows before they ever came to America than most bands do in their entire career. So a lot of people have this misnomer about the Beatles that when they came to America, they just were the mop top boys from Liverpool with the it factor. When really what they had was more practice than anyone else. They worked harder than anyone else. Paul the apostle literally said, I have worked harder than all the other apostles. That's why he ended up being the greatest even though the 12 spent time physically with Jesus, Paul outworked them. And for me, like I, I literally bought timers and I counted my speaker author craft because that's what I do. I write and speak mm-hmm. for 11,000, 11,073 hours in five years. I said, oh for, for, for these years, I am just going to grind my face off. And, and that was the hardest thing I'd ever done. That was my Everest. And I can tell you, I am like so happy that I had that mindset, that I followed my heart. 
I went where the passion was and I just read books, wrote all the time. And now I speak 10 sermons a week. And I was doing that during that period too. So for me, it's like the Dave Matthews band. Um, the, the reason they were the biggest touring band of, uh, from 2000 to 2010 is because they would play shows that were at frat houses and house parties and places no one else would go. They were like the garbage man of bands. They would just scoop up everyone else's trash. They made it their treasure. They would play where no one else would go. So now they play for 110,000 people in Times Square or, or Central Park, New York City, because they were like, we do what others won't do today to have what others can't have tomorrow. That's man. And that's if, such a good quote. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, I, I'm all over the place, but you're saying so many good things that I'm just like jumping off multiple stuff. So anyway, the whole Everest mindset, <laughs> yes, we, we can freaking do anything. We're, we're low key world domination, man. Like we can do anything. We're, we're, we're approximately give or take roughly speaking invincible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's all a mindset and you're not, you're yeah. not jumping all over the place, man. This stuff that you bring in is absolute gold. Like you say that 11,000 hours that you've been talking, like I'm going into public speaking. I haven't done one, like just like public speaking, public speaking. So I was hoping that I was just going to be like, literally I was hoping I was going to be the be the Beatles with the it factor, but now I know they don't have the it factor. God, I'm yeah. in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> no, man, you are sure you are so well-spoken and just like, being well spoken with with a purpose and with passion that's very very rare to be found like i would tell anybody about you and you need to like you need to just keep i know it's three years of putting your head down and grinding but just keep doing it man people need to hear this people oh, need we're, to we're 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 gonna change the world dude that's yes. what, that's what we're doing like we're not messing around the way Love to not it. mess around is to have a blast changing the world and grinding yep. your face off and then skating and playing basketball and dunking on people's faces and just, just yep. going for it, man. Like that's, that's our mindset. And, uh, and yeah, I love how we're the exact same age. We're, yep. we're reaching a new generation. God put our path together. And, uh, and, and by the way, you are public speaking right now. Yes. I think doing, I think doing podcasts are just as challenging as speaking on a stage, if not more. Yeah. So, because because when you're doing a podcast, your train of thought can be totally derailed by this crazy Oregonian you're talking to that's going from Dave Matthews <laughs> Band to volcanoes on Mars. You know, like you, great, you, 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 you have to work from volcanoes on Mars. Whereas when you're giving a public speech, you, you get to control the, the 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 stream of consciousness much more easily. So I just wanted to say, like, this is what I always tell people who want to get into public speaking, is like. They say, Ben, how do you how do you speak all the time in front of these audiences? And I what I tell them is like you literally just have to take you have to say yes to every single opportunity and no to a lot of side things that don't yeah. have to do with public speaking. Yeah. So so like if somebody says, Hey, you know, uh, can you can you babysit for twenty dollars? It's like, no, I got to prep for speaking. I, I don't know. That's a bad analogy. But no, no, what for I'm saying sure. Yeah. You, 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 you just say yes to every speaking thing. And like, eventually that starts adding up. And what I found with speaking is all like, okay, so I'm going to kind of open up something here, but basically Crack it open. I just did, I just did this event. I spoke at this event. Like sometimes I'll do events where there's like 12,000 people there, like stadium events. And then sometimes I'll do an event for 30 people. And the reason I do that is because one of the premier communicators of our generation, when I asked him for speaking advice, he said, you want to do as many different venues as you possibly can, 
because each one will shape and hone your craft from a different angle. So if you can speak for little kids and then for like Gideons, you know, elderly yeah. people, if you yeah. can speak in huge to huge groups and then small groups, if you can do podcasts and then, you know, public addresses, that's all honing your craft. But here's what happened. If you're too big for the small stuff, you'll be too small for the big stuff. So like so there, there was this, there was this band that was supposed to play at an event that I was, uh, that I spoke at and they didn't, they didn't come because they said it wasn't big enough for them. And the funny thing was in that audience, it was a small group of maybe 30 people. There was somebody with more than 2 million Instagram followers there. So, so it, if they had said yes to that opportunity, they might've had a far bigger platform than 20 bigger events just by having one major influencer in the crowd. And so I'm just saying, you never know, you never know what opportunities are going to open up if you'll just focus on your abilities. So many people are thinking, when am I going to get my opportunity? The real focus needs to be, how am I going to hone my ability? I need to focus on my ability and opportunity will follow, not the other way around. I got to stop waiting for opportunity to roll up. And what I need to roll up are my sleeves. You can have a a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. It just doesn't work that way, you know? So... Uh, you yep. know, the classic quote is faith can move mountains, but don't be surprised if God hands you a shovel. And so I love how God is just like put that hard work ethic in you, David. And that's why you're going so far. That's why you have such a big impact. And that's why your public speaking career is just going to take off. Man, I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate, I mean, obviously I appreciate the kind words pumps me up, but yeah, no, uh, the hard work aspect of it. Like people always ask yeah. like, what's the short, they, everybody wants to find the shortcut to it and sure you can work efficiently, but there is absolutely, there is absolutely no, shortcut. no substitution. Yeah. No shortcut and no substitution for hard work. And if you're working yeah. hard, think about this. If you're working hard for something you're passionate about, it's not going to feel like work. That's what I tell people too. Like they yes. ask me, they ask me like, what's my job? I'm like, I don't have a job. They're like, what's your career? I don't have a career. I'm on a mission. It's a mission. It's not a career. It's not a yeah. job. It's a mission. It's a journey and it's an adventure. And when you're able to do that, yes. like you do and I do. And like, I literally wake up, like my body just wakes me up at like five thirty, six o'clock every morning. And I'm just super jacked to take on the day. Cause I know it's, there's going to be something that's just going to be, so much fun in the adventure that I'm going to have that day. And yeah, it, yeah. And I'm not willing. Yeah, I'm. I'm willing to do anything that it takes, like anything that it takes, because it's not. It's not a burden. And that's why, like people. So I know. I, yeah, man, we could literally talk all day. But <laughs> one, I, re- I respect your time, and I know you got to get doing things. And two, I got to catch a flight to Israel here pretty soon. But let's hashtag just, no big deal. Hashtag, no big deal. You like how I dropped that in there too. Yeah, yeah I, I love how you that. just dropped it. You're like, you're like, yeah, you're, you're like, yeah, man. I know you got to do a thing or two, and yeah, I got. So I just got to catch a flight to Israel. But yeah, let's get this. No, but yeah, and I also subliminally. Great podcasters subliminally make them sound bigger than they are. Like I was literally talking like a no, big that's so dope. Day. I was just from Japan. Just came from Japan. True story though. Oh, trust me. I do that all the time. I love it. <laughs> David, I do want to say, man, like I love you. And I, I, I just want your listeners to hear this too. I love your energy, energy to anybody listening. Thanks, um, brother. I, 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 I live on, I, this is true. I, I, I know we're joking about this, but I do live on an airplane like you. Yep. I travel all the time, but I want to tell your listeners out of all of my travels, um, I can, I'm starting to get a sense of this person has, has got what it takes. Uh, you know, I can see when somebody really has that, that something plus, and that's what David has. So these podcast listeners, all you guys need to know 
that you got to keep listening to this guy. He's going to lead you. He's going to lead you to green pastures, still waters. Like this guy is going to lead you to success and victory and, and joy and hope. So uh, like you bet you guys better keep subscribing because David's, David's leading you in the right places. My man, and I didn't pay him anything to say that either. Not yeah, you, 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 you better give me 10 bucks after this is oh, done. There, let, me tell, yeah, yeah, let me 10 bucks. I'll give you some more words. I'm coming up to Portland for sure. I'll buy you lunch up no, there. I'm so no. But also, no, I'm joking. Yeah, out dude. There, everybody out there, like you would probably think that we've met up in person and that we've talked before. First time talking on the phone right here, right now. That's just how, yeah. that's just how God works, how just being yeah. passionate about the gifts that God has given you works. And it's just like literally we have a brotherhood and like I'm seriously yeah. – coming up there David, I, I feel like we're gonna be i feel like we're gonna be like lifelong friends i know that's a, a hyperbolic statement at least it sounds like it but i just feel like and also not only that but my squad of friends too like when you meet a bunch of them you guys are gonna vibe so well so Love uh, it. even I, i'm glad i'm even connecting you with ben because i feel like that when you start meeting all these new people too you're just gonna be like I guess I used to think I was the only person like me out there. And then you find out, wait, there are other people who have this same drive, the same passion. And so, uh, yeah, I, I want to get you connected with more people too. And I just think, um, we should speak together. We should look for opportunities yep. to, to, to just do more stuff and it'd be sick. hundred percent, man. Seriously. That, that'd be literally awesome. Oh, and, and we're going to go, you know what? go, go ahead. Well, well, sorry. One more thing. If you are in Southern Oregon on a Monday, it could be really, or not even a Monday, like really any, uh, any weekday. If, if I'm in town, I'd love, we, cause I'm about to go on the radio here shortly. Yeah. We, we have a, we have a radio show, a radio station here, and I'd love to have you on the radio too. Cause that'd be super sick. So, and then, then I could turn the tables and interview you or and talk to you. So if you want to do that, if you're in Southern Oregon, we can do something like that. Game on. It's happening. So it'll be a Monday I come up there when I get back from all this travel and everything. When you get back yeah. from your Israel travel, drop that one in there for yep. you too. Yeah. November yeah, or December or something like that, come up there and let's roll, man. We're, yeah, I was going to say we'll definitely be friends for life, especially if we're going to Mars together. We'll probably have a lot of time. To we're going close. to Mars, dude. We are climbing mountains. <laughs> Yeah, so make sure you watch Mars. Speaking of Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting, watch The Martian. We get ready for Mars. Watch Interstellar. Get your mind blown, and then we'll be prepared. And we'll we'll, we'll call up we'll Love call it. up our boy we'll call up our boy Elon Musk, and we'll, we'll do some Interstellar travel. <laughs> now people have no idea. They might actually think we're boys with Elon Musk. Maybe we are. Maybe we are. All right. Hey, before you get rolling, here's how we're gonna here's how we're gonna end this podcast. We're gonna do this first time ever done. We're just gonna drop the mic. Like literally, we're not gonna say bye. Here's what I want from you. You're gonna leave the audience with three ways to implement passion, joy in their life. I know we could just say Christ, and hopefully that they find that out of this. But give them three ways to implement joy passion just get give them some of this drug energy that we okay. got going and then, okay. just, and then okay. just hang up and then they don't even say bye just hang up be legendary. <laughs> okay okay i will literally drop the mic Love here's, the goodbye. here's the goodbye we're literally gonna drop the mic and hang up the phone okay yes i'm yes. doing this on the fly go number one Boom. number one mindset mindset Ooh, yes. outlook determines outcome so if your outlook gets bleak try the uplook if you change the way you look at things things will change the way they look the problem is never the problem the problem is your perception about the problem 
and your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than your problem. So when your problem is too big for you, it's just the right size for God. Because if you sow a thought, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. If you sow a character, you reap a destiny. But it all goes back to the thoughts that you think. So when's the last time you took time to think about what you're thinking about? Number one, mindset. Number two, number two, number two, hope. Hope is dope. We need more hope. We need yes. more hope. This is yes. huge. Hope is the vibe. Hope is everything. Uh, uh, just because you're going through hell doesn't mean you have to smell like smoke. We're the people who've gone through hell carrying buckets of water for those still consumed by the fire. Uh, life is like a glow stick. Sometimes we got to break before we shine. So if our heart has been broken, it's because God's about to heal it and we're going to have this glow everywhere we go. Number three. Uh, number three. The last thing is yes we're optimists we are non-conformist adventurers we live with childlike wonder abandonment and the reason we can be the more childlike and optimistic and become more misfits against the hopelessness of our culture is by remembering that just because bad things happen around us does not mean they need to be happening inside us i can't control what happens to me but i can control what comes through me god never does anything to me he only does things for me and if god's going to do something for me he's first got to do something in me everything's going to be okay in the end so if it's not okay it's not the end it's okay if you're not okay it's just not okay if you stay that way hashtag off to misfits yeah let's go drop the mic get out of here love you hit you right after this peace